0: Five in the Eye with Michael and Phil. It's news,
1: but is it new? Hello, and welcome to this week's Five in the Eye. You're listening to episode 0028, and this is me, Michael Ohujuru holding the fort at the Colourful Radio Studio in South London.
0: But I'm Phil Woodford, joining Michael this week from Cookham, near Maidenhead, the home of one of the greatest British artists of the 20th century, Stanley Spencer. Hold on a second, did you put that in the
1: screen? I definitely put that in because he is one of the greatest artists, drawing, painting, a genius, Phil, a genius. And if you've not been you don't have any
0: any vested interest here, do
1: you? Uh, Well, I used to work there and I used to help out in the gallery there in Cookham, and you've been there, haven't you?
0: I have, I have. No, I, very nice pictures. Exactly. But you've got to tell me what we got lined up on the show today. Live in the Eye.
1: Well, at number one, there's the very worrying incident of, on, in, in which Turkish F-16s shot down a Russian plane at the Syrian border. Isn't this just a sign of how messy and complicated this regional conflict is becoming?
0: You can't help but feel almost any incident could be the spark for a much bigger war and British politicians are set to debate our own involvement again very soon. Story number two is the news that David Cameron and senior members of the Cabinet are going to get their own plane for official trips at the cost of £10 million. The government says the move will save money, but can it really be justified in a time of austerity?
1: Well, Phil, our politicians are ambassadors for the country, so I believe within reason I, I'm not a problem with it as long as they look good when they travel but it's story number three it's about the diversity of London but, but 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 we're not talking about 2015 we're talking about going back to AD 15 according to to archaeological research the big smoke was a melting pot even back in Roman times and it seems to there, there were many people it seems that many people were likely to be of mixed origin from different parts of the planet
0: it certainly puts today's discussions about immigration into perspective uh, number four this week, we want to talk about multitasking. We all know this is something that you ladies can do and we blokes can't. But how far can it go? We report on the woman who was so keen to take an online exam that she logged on to answer questions while she was giving birth.
1: Top woman, top woman. But, but could she play the ukulele at the same time? <laughs> we, we'll try and find out. And our final story brings us to our friends in the, an- the animal kingdom, Pigeons have apparently been trained to recognize signs of cancer in mammograms. Perhaps it doesn't it, Perhaps it doesn't really matter if your junior doctors go on strike.
0: This must be one of the most bird brain research studies I've ever seen. And that's this week's Five in the Eye. Five in the Eye. Well, our first story this week is um, about the clash between Russia and Turkey on the Syrian border. And... Um, the reports about the um, F-16 shooting down a Russian plane. This is the first time in half a century that a NATO plane has engaged uh, a Russian, uh, a Russian plane in this way, and it sent diplomatic shockwaves um, around the region because this was a time when we were thinking that maybe the world was beginning to unite um, in terms of dealing with the crisis yeah, exactly. in, in, in
1: Syria. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, sorry.
0: Well, so what's, yeah. what's, your, what's your take on this, Michael? Well, Do you think this is a major setback or is it something that we're going to be able to get past?
1: Well, I, I would like to believe something we're, going to, we're going to have to get past it. Because after Paris, it seemed as though Russia was joining us. Well, when I say us, it was joining the West in because mm. they had, they had, a, they had a, a common wound, a common hurt. The fact that they'd lost 250, 250 people in, in, that, in that plane crash and was 130 souls in Paris. So there was there were united the the common enemy and they could actually come together and say how can we together sort this problem out because that's what we need this 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 grand coalition and it seemed for for a a couple of days there was the grand coalition and then as ever as ever something happens in the Middle East (laughs) and what was it Turkey Turkey shoots down a, a. a, 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 a Russian fighter pilot, a, a, Russian, a Russian aircraft. But isn't, isn't
0: this a sign of just how complex and messy this whole thing is? I mean, the, the number of regional powers yeah. that are involved here, we've got, um, leaving aside, you know, Assad himself, the anti-Assad factions mm-hmm. and uh, IS, yeah. we have the Russians, we have the Turks, yeah. we have the Kurds, yeah. we've got the Saudis, we've got the Iranians, and that's before you even get on to the French, the British, the Americans. Um, uh, it's difficult <laughs> to imagine how this can ever uh, be resolved in a way that everyone's
1: happy. everyones uh, That's exactly it, and, and there's, there's, a, there's a story I'm going to share with you, Phil, about, about the Middle East, and it's about the, the, the scorpion and the frog. The, the, mm-hmm. the, the scorpion says to the frog, will you take me across to the pond, to that the island in the centre? And the frog says, no problem, sure. And they get halfway across, and the scorpion stings the frog. And the frog's dying there. And, the, and, and he says, why did you do that? Well, is it the Middle East? You know, that, that, that sense of that, that doom that they've all got. The, 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 nothing is fully resolved. And, you know, there could be an easy way if you work together. And, but they don't. They don't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't kind of work, you know. But we're dealing with, I mean, the, the two
0: things that strike me is we're, we're dealing with, at one level, people who have strong ideologies and so you know obviously IS Mm -hmm. um, and but also we're dealing with people who have strong vested interests, economic interests, military interests interests in clinging on to power and influence and these are age old issues that are at the heart of all kinds of regional conflicts but we have to be honest they were also at the heart of both world wars weren't
1: they well no exactly but uh, the the world wars were quite clear you knew who the enemy was we we knew where hitler's bunker was and once we got into that bunker we we were at the very heart of 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 the problem we could by by cutting him off the world, world could be ended here it's 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 a hydra it's got so many heads and even the one we believe is at the center of it isis with all their heads when you think of all these spin-offs, the Taliban, Al-Shabaab, Bokra Haran, all these various groups, and then, mm. and then you look at, you look at um, the Sunnis and the Shias, and, and then the Kurds, later on that, the Turks, Russia, what's going on in, in, in the Ukraine. It becomes horribly complex. And the challenge I have is somebody's got to talk to somebody to resolve this. Somebody has to talk, you know, sit down on a table and talk sense to each other. But right now, I don't know who has to talk to who to make these things happen yeah i've got no idea I let me I think
0: we've got to we, we have got to um think that the russian are going to have to play some kind of role the question is do you believe then, that are, well i i think there are power we broker reckon, we have to recognize they are key influences over Assad. And I think the Russians are the people who are ultimately going to determine whether Assad stays or whether he goes. At the moment, they're trying to prop him up. And there's an argument that says, in terms of propping him up, they are actually prolonging the the conflict. Also, of course, they've been fairly indiscriminate in the groups that they've been attacking.
1: Well, well Phil, Phil, can I just say, say this? The, the cynic in me says, we need Assad. We got rid of Saddam Hussein, and that was part of the problem. We, we got rid of his, his bath party, and we, we, we destroyed that. So there was nothing to take over. There was no power. There was no one to negotiate with. We need someone to, to bring the country together. If you look what's happening in Libya now, these, these countries become dysfunctional without that head of state, without that figurehead. That, yeah, that figure I mean,
0: it's, it's, it's a very slippery slope if we start saying that any dictator stays in place simply because they provide some kind of focal point and they act as a head of state. But, I mean, where does that where does that lead? But I mean, I feel, it's a recipe like, for totalitarianism I, everywhere. No, isn't I'd, it?
1: I'd use the word continuity. Continuity. You can bring these people together, form a platform for going forward.
0: Because yeah, I mean, clearly, the start, the, clearly, start, clearly start, the answer to
1: Syria lies in Syria. It doesn't lie. It's not. It's not in Washington. It's not in Moscow. It's not in London. It's in Syria. It's the people who say they're, they're the people who are going to resolve Syrian problems. No, no, no. I mean,
0: not, I'm, so, I, I'm sorry. that I don't buy this continuity argument. I mean, Stalin, go, Stalin gave the Soviet Union continuity, but there's a continuity built on, on the deaths of millions of, of but, people. You know, but you but can't. Phil, yeah, you, Phil. You, you, you know, the continuity is not enough of an argument. No, no. Yeah.
1: You've got to talk to somebody. Somebody has to. You cannot, you know, like when Bush declared war on the Taliban, you know, no one knew what the Taliban was. No one we didn't know where Afghanistan was, and so there was no clear end game. And we repeated that in, in in Iraq, and and this is the hesitation with Syria: the end game is not clear. Yeah, but The, I mean, end, game's I, I not, the end game has early, to involve talking. If we, if we sit
0: around, if we sit around waiting until such time as we. Our crystal ball clears and we see the future and we know exactly what's going to unfold after any military action i think we'll be waiting a very long time no, not i'm not saying that Phil. there are so no, many Phil. players involved here it's actually an incredibly volatile and unpredictable situation no, no. and we could take any action now and it would be very very hard it'd be a brave person who would bet on the outcome
1: hang on With action, i'm not saying action we have to find someone to talk to start the negotiations to start the talking, because I'm look, I, you know, in Northern Ireland, they, they first started talking to, to, to the IRA in, in 1972. And they actually bore fruit in 1992, almost 20 years later. But You've got yeah. to start. You've got to yeah. start. And I would argue that Syrian problems are going to be solved by Syrian people. And the easiest, most, the, the biggest one right now is the man himself, Assad. So he has to be, in the interim, he has to be part of that solution. He has to be. You can, You cannot not You cannot not, not be.
0: isn't his interest just retaining power?
1: Yeah, I I'm mean, sure in the short term, it, I'm sure it, you have we, to be.
0: We, we, we've now got to the point where he doesn't really have an agenda apart from clinging on to power and destroying his opponents.
1: But hang on a and, second, though we have a history of dealing with people. Look, look, I know it's a trivial example, but Idi Amin in Uganda, we, you know, he, we sorted him off, he, he ended up in Saudi Arabia. You know, he, he was part of the transition. So in the same way, Assad... If, if if he loved this country he 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 could help sort it out put something in place and then quietly disappear
0: well this is where the russians are critical because the russians are and the saudis the and the
1: saudis sorry well,
0: well i mean yeah but the the, um, the 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 russians are basically the sponsor of assad and what what they say to him will go. To be honest, because he's relying entirely on their support and their their military and economic backup. And if they tell him that he's got to be part of some, some transition, and eventually he's going to have to go into exile, mm. that's what he'll do. But can we be on, Can we be confident that the Russians are going to play that kind of constructive role? Five in the eye.
1: Let's move on to that that, 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 that next story number two, the one about the the, the Tory government wants to buy a plane for its prime minister. Or put another way, it, it's more efficient for them to, to save 750,000 £750, pound a year by, uh, by, by having a, an RAF uh, jet refurbished for a, a one-off 10 million to save, to save, to save that 750,000. And they, they argue in 10 years, it's paid for itself. Now, on the surface, I'm all for this move, all for it. My problem is timing timing mm. you know it's not it's not going to look good if we see if we see our, our dave in, in his in his own private jet it just doesn't work well i it, mean we it, just, it, it you know, needs we managing the, we the announcement now, we that,
0: the announcement recently from george osborne that for instance um you know student um support is going to be cut again and mm. um when you know we, we we see constant reminders of this age of austerity uh, more and more groups being targeted with with cuts and being forced to work in smaller uh, with smaller budgets, and then it really does kind of get under people's skin, doesn't it? When they see um, our politicians, our elected representatives, kind of travelling in the lap of luxury.
1: Well, I put this in the same bag as uh, politicians' pay and their expenses. They handle that so badly. They should be paid appropriately. I'm I'm, not, I'm, I'm happy they should be paid. The issue is how they manage it and the perception, and like all these things, I'm 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 going to crack a joke here, Phil. You ready for this? Ask me what English. Well, ask me what comedy is about. What's comedy about, Michael? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. you, You've got to get it right. You've got to get it right, and the and. You know, it, it's that sensitivity, I feel your pain, so that people believe you. And I'm, I'm sorry, one of the problems these the current crop of politicians have in the, in the, in the, the, uh, the cabinet, apart from all the millionaires, they don't look as though they're feeling the pain. And the idea of going so in a jet is just... No, this is not the politics of envy, I'm sorry. It's just about the politics of presentation. Because I believe they should yeah, have I it. Mean, I, I, They've got to finesse it. In a, more, in a better way than, 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 than they're doing yeah, now. There
0: is something, you know, I, I, I'm I going to play devil's advocate here, as I sometimes do, as you know, Michael, oh, on yeah, show. Yeah. You, um, you,
1: you believe that stuff, Phil. I know you believe me.
0: People do like about politicians like, no, no, one, one of the things that people like about politicians like, say, Jeremy Corbyn, is that he seems to uh eschew all the trappings of the normal kind of political life he doesn't lead the high life he cycles from place to place and um he's he kind of knows what it's like to to live like an ordinary person lives and isn't there something actually with, if we if we cut out the cynicism um, and the making fun of uh, of people like Corbyn, there's actually something quite refreshing about that, isn't there? You give me some when he was leader of the yeah. GLC, and I'm not I'm not the greatest mm, fan of Livingston Don't He used to use the tube and go on his bike. He used to go on the tube yeah. like everyone else, and yeah. then when he talks about the tube, people take him seriously, don't they?
1: Well, look, don't get me wrong. I, I'm I'm sure politicians need to have feet on the ground. Definitely, yeah. They need to be well grounded and be familiar and sensitive to things. But at the same time, they are heads of state. They're heads of state. They represent Britain abroad, and I'm minded of the the yacht Britannia that stood for something. You know, mm. when when, when, the, when that when that when that when that cruised, it, it was it was gumbo soft gumbo diplomacy, soft you know, rather than hard gumbo diplomacy. It, it said something about Britain. And when that was in town, the the businessmen used to come on board. You have meetings, and you no, know, it was. It stood for something good, and I see Air Force One in America in the same vein, and. The heads of state around the world, they all have their the, 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 the jets. Look, we need one. Well, we of do course need we, one. We were,
0: talk, we were talking earlier about uh, Russia and Turkey. And, of course, we know Vladimir Putin has a, an enormous Dr. Strangelove-style facility <laughs> where he uh, <laughs> the, manages world events, doesn't he? I wonder how me- many millions that cost.
1: Well, the, 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 that's all part of his megalomania, which I'm, we'll, and we'll talk about that <laughs> another time. Right now, I'm saying we, 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 they need to finesse this in some way that they get that jet, so that he can he can fly around the world, representing Britain, but also fly around efficiently and have the meetings in the air. So when they land, they can go straight into the meetings. Where, where, where those meetings ever whether they be in Moscow or Madrid, we're ready for it. I think it's really important. But at the same time, they need to find out how how they introduce that to the people. They need to sell it better. They need to position it better. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, at the end of the day, when you look at overall government spending, ten million quid isn't a lot of money. No, not not uh, at all. It's not a lot of money to it's a lot of money to to me. Probably slightly less money to you, but it's not a lot of money to the
1: government. <laughs> those were the uh, days. Those were the days. <laughs> To
0: our third story, which is about London and the diversity of the city. One of the things that's quite interesting about the crossrail development is that in the process of digging up London to build the crossrail facility that's going to run east to west across the city, um, there's a lot of archaeological work going on. And so there are sites, there's there's things like old plague pits, which are full of skeletons of Londoners of yesteryear. And um, recently, um, archaeological researchers have been looking at the DNA of some of the skeletons they've uncovered. And one of the really interesting things is that London was incredibly diverse as a city, even when you went back to Roman times. We, we know London to be an incredibly diverse city today. But the findings here suggest that um, people were of mixed origins very often back in uh, back in antiquity as well. And it, it's really quite interesting to think of London in that way, isn't it, Michael?
1: i, I found it's a really fascinating story. On, on the one level, just on a very practical level, the Crossrail has an, archeolo- an archaeological department. And I've seen quite, quite a big staff, if you, you, mm. you at the website to be understood. And you've got the project managers, you have to deliver this project on time, on cost. And I can see the tension. As as they find these, the archaeologists find these things. Say, it's like they're thinking, <laughs> not another bloody skeleton. Exactly. I go. We need more time. I'm, I'm I'm minded, if you know, on on the startup enterprise. You know, the engines can't take it. We need more time. You know, the, the the archaeologists say, look, we need more time. Please give us more time. But. Good on them that they that that, that good on Crossrail. That they give the archaeologists the time to to find these things. And I think I'm really fascinating about this. London at Roman times was on the edge of civilization, the edge of civilization. Mm. It was wet, damp. England. And here we have people from all over the known world, from Eastern Europe, from North Africa, coming here to do business. And that to me just underlines what a great, a great city London is. So not, not just London, but great cities. They are, they are made greater by all the people they bring together. That, that, that kind of fusion of, of, of different cultures, different ideas. You, you used a very interesting word before when we discussed this. A melting pot. A melting pot, and it really mm. is. Uh, London was a melting pot well, 2,000 years ago, and, and, and so we're seeing what we're doing today is, is, is not particularly original. Well, not particularly doesn't reasonable. it show
0: what a nonsense you know when people sort of um, are opposed to immigration and they, they they you know we've got to stay British and we don't want these people coming in from outside? I mean, it's absolute nonsense, isn't it? Because total, so, 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 so totally, because go, 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 go back, go back in time, and we're all. Uh, we can all trace our origins back to all kinds of different places.
1: The thing I believe, and, and the thing I believe, is that England is an island. Britain is an island, so everybody has come from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's come from somewhere. And one of the great things about Britain, you know, it, it, it attracts people because things are happening. And I guess this was, back in the day that this was a Roman outpost, an expanding outpost on the edge of the, the edge of the empire, where people could do those things that they couldn't do back at the centre. So, yeah, so, and they
0: didn't—they didn't have five in the eye back in those days, of course, which yeah, would well, have been another no. big attraction of coming to <laughs> London. But they—they—they um, they, they, they had a lot of other stuff going on. Can
1: you imagine if you had the, the franchise two thousand years? Yeah, you can yeah. play the money on. You know what yeah. was it? Ten percent. Ten percent of the the, the, the funds. No, so I, I, I can imagine they had their five in the eye in that day in those days, and I, I can imagine it's a kind of a wild town because you get all these different people coming together from different parts of the Roman Empire to to to, to, um, to try and make things happen. Well, they made things happen. They they made London the great city that is that that it was was then and is today. You know, it's a, it's fascinating the fact that scientists can take a bone and from, from the DNA they they, they told them what what colour eyes these people had. What they had for breakfast mm-hmm. and, 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 and from, yeah. from, from these things, they, they could actually build up a picture of these people. Really fascinating technology. These people down, down, the,
0: the, the, these people down there, if they'd known that they were going to be dug up for crossrail in 2,000 years' time, they' have had
1: something just <laughs> They didn't know. They might, they, they might have got a big cross. Oh. That's pathetic for well, that. I'm well, embarrassed are that. If you're
0: building railways and digging up skeletons, that's an example of multitasking. And um, with that, brings us on to story number four. Did you like my little link there, that
1: was Brings
0: good. us on to story number four. Because um, there is a lady who um, is in Georgia in the US who's really quite remarkable. Her name is Tomatrice Collins, and she was um, studying um, psychology and she had to do an online test but there was a problem uh, she's at middle georgia state university but she was about to give birth and uh, so what did she do
1: don't tell me she don't tell me in,
0: she, she went into the hospital to give birth but she took her laptop with her oh. she logged on and she also did the exam whilst she was in labour. And so this, awesome. this is this awesome. surely—I mean, all the mums out there listening to Five and eye and we know we've got a big, big following about uh, <laughs> uh, among mothers in London. Um, all the mums out there will recognise this straight away, won't they? Won't, won't they, Mike? You know, idea know, of multitasking.
1: Totally. totally well, what's it? They finally found something can do the work of of, um, of sixteen men. It's called a woman, mm-hmm. you know. The fact that women, you know, oh, it pains me to say this. You know, they get so much done, they work on so many levels. up with the homework, get get the meal cooked, do the ironing, go to shopping. They do all these things, whereas if blokes just, you know, just they just do one thing. They go down the job. That's what they do. They work, and that, that's a very simplistic view. But I, but it, it's in reality, you know, we, we look at our mums, the things our mums used to do, and not just do, but remember. The fact that you mm. remember everybody's birthdays, christenings, remember all these things. So here we see this 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 this, this, this young lady giving birth, as you do, <laughs> while doing a, a, a psychology exam because she could do. She had she she had the wherewithal, the not just the intellectual capacity, the physical capacity, but also the attitude that that female attitude. Yeah, can do. Let's get it over with. Let's move what, on. What if? What imagine. If imagine. If imagine, to... imagine if that was a bloke, or oh, the be they'd be I can hit the. Well, I can feel his pain.
0: <laughs> what, if you, what if this had been a, a traditional kind of exam, though? Do you think she'd have been allowed to give give birth in the, the examination
1: room? Well, <laughs> well, do you know what? I, I, I thought about that in the terms of they'd have to put some special beds in place. They'd have to have midwives on hand. And they'd put all this infrastructure in place. But I would say, if she wanted it, why not? Why not? If she could afford to have more infrastructure in place. Because, you know, I'm told. Cause one, 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 one of my friends with a midwife said that, the women, apart from the pain, they can do what, they can do what they like during um, well, managing the pain. They they can do what they like during during childbirth. Uh, it's, um, you I know, have to just, say that Mrs. In, w, w, in this Ms,
0: Ms, Mrs. W was was pretty delirious while she was uh, giving birth to uh, our first kid, and I can't really imagine her at the time of being able to to cope too much with uh, with doing the exam. Um, so I think it might depend from one person to another how how likely you are to be able to multitask but no. we do we do take our hats off uh, to tomatrice collins who's done something really quite exceptional and extraordinary and the good news is that she's passed with a grade b uh, and finished the exam in under two hours so uh, well done to her live in the eye um another medical story to finish today uh, a story not Oh, is that a guy here barking in the background? No, I, th- um, I, th- I
1: think it's the pilot.
0: <laughs> because you know on Five in the Eye how much we like animal stories, and we brought you the story recently about the dog who was being trained to fly a plane. Well, today we got another story of exceptional animal ability because researchers have discovered that you can train pigeons to read mammograms and to spot signs of cancer, um, this extraordinary story um, is reported in the New York Times under the headline "Paging Doctor Pigeon: You're Needed in Radiology." Um, and there's a picture I'm looking at right now of a pigeon staring at a mammogram result uh, and giving really quite a lot of attention to it. And you can just tell that maybe it's about to move its beak over to point to where uh, where it spotted uh, a particular problem. So this is. Um, this is definitely a big breakthrough. And you'd think that maybe the birds are going to be used as doctors, but no, in fact, actually, it's just really an experiment to check, um, to to, to see how animals, how capable animals are, and whether they could be used in other kinds of scientific research because of their abilities.
1: Because they were saying that that the visual acuity to do this is very similar to what we have, humans have. So we're close to pigeons. Mm. So uh, next time I call you pigeon brain, Phil... You know, do not feel insulted. Do not feel insulted. But having yeah. said that well, the, I mean, pit, I, the pitching brain is I'm, I'm I, told I've told about the size of your your your, your index from your, your 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 index nail. Whereas my brain is slightly bigger than yours, Phil. So I have to have to say I have to say it very quickly.
0: Well I mean I I I, I know you I know you frequently get yourself in a flat, Michael, but uh, you know I, I, I I think that definitely you're you're well ahead of pigeons when, when it when it comes to commentary on Five in the Eye. I haven't yet come to the conclusion that we we could have that we could have a pigeon as a stand-in for you.
1: Oh, thank you for that. Thank you for that. And the thing i find fascinating about this, the idea of using pigeons to, to, to look at mammograms. Then we got the there was a story a couple of a couple of months ago about the dogs who who, who could smell moles and, and detect cancer, cancerous moles mm-hmm. or, or signs of skin cancer. So we could we've we got the flying dog. So you've got the flying yeah, doctor, yeah. and you can fly these pigeons. You could have a whole, pig- yeah, have a whole much, yeah. airborne
0: medical team. I'm thinking <laughs> exactly. the flying doctor. You've got exactly. the Labrador in the cockpit. Exactly. You've got a couple of, couple of pigeons in the back, um, and they're, they're keeping the patient you know, under supervision until such time as you got to
1: the flying hospital. The- so, so I'm tempted to say, who needs doctors when you've got pigeons yeah, I mean, and the, dogs?
0: The, the, I mean, the doctors are going on strike, so the, the, this, this is a great opportunity for Jeremy Hunt to experiment. What, what if... <laughs> what
1: if he brought his balloons oh that, hang so on a sec hang on a sec we will let him experiment let, let him be the first remember that picture of the <laughs> of the of the, um, the, the um, when we had that uh, creutzfeldt jakob disease and and the uh, the, the John, hamburger. John, Gummer,
0: John Gummer feeding a burger to his, uh, his, kid. Yeah. So, to his
1: so, kid. so 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 let mr hunt be the first one to go on pigeon airways to fly them with the dog to have, to have, to have his medical done i'm sure he'll do it for he'll he'll take one for the party <laughs> bless him <laughs> in the eye. We talk long, we talk too long about pigeons, doctors, our producer gets in a flap. So it's time to say goodbye for another week